We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Welcome to the Eight Black Hands Podcast. Man, y'all better go get your popcorn for this show right here, man. It's about, I, I, I feel the energy already. It's about to get rammed up. Uh, but before we introduce our guest, let's do a quick check-in. Uh, Dr. C, how you doing, sir? I'm well, man. I'm sorry, so you said Steve. Go ahead, Steve. Oh, oh yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe he did say Steve. But uh, if he did, my bad. But I'm doing well, man. Um... Just got to visit with, uh, got to guest lecture today, which was cool. And then I'm working with these kids in Indy, man. And they're just, they've already lifted up the voices of another 125 kids. They're going for 500. And uh, I'm just proud of them, man. So uh, I'm good. It's been a busy weekend. That's what's up, man. Good trouble. Reef. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. Glad to excited about our guest uh, this evening. And um, yeah, this is uh, Sunday evening. This is this is our thing. This is our thing. And we got a good hey, thing. <laughs> he got like a what bear, white filter he, on. Yeah, baby, you know what it is. Uh, dun, dun, yeah. <laughs> Did you smoke a million cigarettes? That Barry White Teddy Pendergrass mix, you know what I'm saying? Did you get some dental work done or something? Like, really? Like, why is your voice different? I got a different mic tonight. All right, Lou Rawls. Can't keep up with me. It's, hey, it's, uh, it's, C Straight, how you doing, sir? Super clear. I'm doing this is how we man. get off track, man. This is how we get off track. This is not the night for this, man. I know. C Straight. Uh, man, I'm good. It's coming to that time of the year where I get to take some time off. I had no vacations this year. So this next mm-hmm. week I'm going to be off and then most of December. And uh, the good thing is I had a little bit of a chance to look back at the year's worth of work and felt good about it. Like I just to, to reflect to see what got done. Not me personally, but what the network did with people that I know what all of that we've accomplished. And uh, yeah, it's good, man, because I actually I feel like we're all going to need this month to like recuperate because January we're gonna have to come out swinging. Like if we want to get these kids in education, January is gonna be our, our our time to come out tough. So, so I'm good, man. How about you, Q? Uh, yo, Trion and on. What's up, bro? <laughs> hey, don't What's do up? that shit, bro. <laughs> yo, 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 Josh, Josh, put the put the spotlight on me. Wait, matter. Of, uh, hold up. Damn it. <laughs> he said, "Don't do the don't do that shit. That shit is disrespectful. I'm going on record telling you right now, don't do that. And Reef, stop doing the shit you do too. Yo, bro, let me just Respect tell you, I used to divide used to, nine, man. Yo, we used to step around the party. So, like, you know, ask around about us. We used to straight up step. They, said they, the campers would go, it. the cues would go, and then guess who else? We'd be up in there." <laughs> and nobody would you know what really? they wouldn't folks wouldn't say nothing folks wouldn't say it would be the guests plenty of guests got their chin rocked because they wanted to say something about us stepping 
Uh, don't, get, don't make me drive down there to rock your chin. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me drive down there. That's your last warning, Reef. All right. So, uh, you, you uh, saw hey, hey. my Jordan on the speed bag. Don't, don't come for it. You saw her on that speed bag, bro. Uh. All right. Dr. Cole is going to introduce Dr. Steve Perry. Mm. It's my distinct pleasure, man. I'm, I'm I'm just a big fan of this dude. I'm going to read a little bit of it, and then the rest is just going to be personal. But, you know, Dr. Perry is just one of the most sought-after educational and motivational speakers in the country. Uh, he's widely respected by grassroots community members and internationally renowned leaders, as educators, social workers, public speakers, all that. He's a charismatic dude. Um, he's been reached out to by people like Oprah and Diddy and Bishop T.D. Jakes and Steve Harvey. I mean, the brother has always been doing his work. Uh, now, let me just... He, he, he got the numbers he got the access all the all the letters and all that stuff personally uh every time i've met him he's just been dope he's been dope to me he's always been ready to mentor and we've always just had great conversations when he didn't have to do it and i just appreciate it and i remember those moments even if he doesn't so ladies and gentlemen let's give a real real welcome uh and make him feel uh like he's at home because he's now officially a friend of the show uh dr steve perry Let's oh, get yeah. it happening, gentlemen. Let's oh, yeah. get it. Let me just, hey, look, man, let me just tell you how honored I am to be among y'all. Like the 10th black hand is a fist. <laughs> we came we came to swing for the fence because if we don't, nobody else will. You know, I'm I am genuinely humbled. Uh, each of you separately, I've had the opportunity to watch your work and to to be among you is truly, truly an honor. You are carrying the torch for our community. That's what's up. Hey, Breezy, jump in here, man, because I know you're about to start some trouble. So go ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to start any trouble. But Dr. Perry, um, like you wanted the, the, the fearless people in this field. And we don't have many fearless people who will just tell the truth like it is and keep stepping. Um, now, I know you came to Minnesota a few years back. You started some trouble and I had to clean it up when you was gone. So so <laughs> so we was happy to have you start. come in. I just <laughs> finished it. I, didn't I just finished. Oh, bro. We're going to talk about a little bit later the, the, the trouble you started here in Minnesota because I was so happy for you to come in. And, I, and when you left, I was so happy that you had came because you know what you need. You know what you need. Sometimes you need people from the outside to come in and tell the truth, so that the local folks can get some some nerve with them afterwards. But I specifically want to ask you just in the in the very beginning about magnet schools because you have a little bit of a different perspective. Oftentimes we talk oftentimes about choice and we talk about charter schools, and I feel like charter schools have been on the hot seat for years, but magnet schools have almost been invisible. No one ever talks about them for good or for bad. Um, now I give them a hard time because of that but you actually have ran magnet schools you know it from a different perspective so what am i missing as i start attacking magnet schools as one of the choice options for black folks so our first school our first capital prep one of these up here actually it's not up on this one so uh our first capital prep is Capital Preparatory Magnet School in Hartford, Connecticut. The reason why you don't see magnet schools catching much, much heat is because they're all union. It's really simple. I mean, let's call it what it is. The, the, uh, the Gestapo that is the teachers union, the goons that, 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 it, that they are. See, here it comes. Hey, look, man, <laughs> y'all, you should have known. I'm, I've been stretching all afternoon. So, so they don't, they get their, they get their kickbacks from those teachers. So they're never going to give them any smoke. They really aren't. Unless, of course, you get a brother who's running it 
who comes in there swinging for the head, in which case then they they want him put in his place. And so it's not the magnet school that's going to be the issue. It's the fact that you got a brother in there who sent 100% of his graduates on four-year colleges and is, you know, not afraid to say it. And then it turns into what it turns into. But magnet schools are are um, not the issue for many because they are union, mostly district schools. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the the issues that I always give them a hard time about is I came out to Connecticut with a couple of activists and it was to meet with LaShawn Robinson, who had been denied access to to a magnet school. And she was suing. And I heard something that was so crazy. I never you know, I couldn't believe it in the 21st century was the reason her her child didn't get into the schools because her child was black and they had hit their cap of black children. And I was like, how in the 21st century can you say you can't come in this public school because you're black? And how can that be the result of the NAACP's desegregation suit to stop discrimination? I don't I I, I don't understand it. It's upside down, to say the least. What it is, it's what it is, is in Connecticut, the magnet schools are desegregation schools. Here's where it gets goofy. So they're desegregation schools in the sense that they have to convince white kids that being a minority is as much fun as we make it look like. And what would happen is when white kids would come to my school, they look around like, oh, snap, this is not fun. And I'm still white. So I really ain't got to put up with this two fingers. And then they would dip and they would go back to the suburbs where they were, in fact, the majority. And so my school was always on the list because we presented a paradox, to say the least, to the state of Connecticut. High performance school, high minority school, almost no white people. So they actually accused me of being a racist against white people, which is really challenging mm. for me, except in the fact that my mother's white. They, mm. uh, they makes it a bit of a challenge, but that's that. So the issue wasn't that we didn't want white kids there. It was that we did want black and Latin kids there. And so those black and Latin kids began putting an inverse um, achievement gap in place that changed everything. So now they couldn't, they would threaten me every single year. See, they would say to me, if you don't get more white kids in here, I'm going to shut you down. So I had to hire a person mm-hmm. whose job it was to recruit white kids. And I would come in and I'd be really polite. And I would go to Catholic schools and I would talk to them about, you know, we like white people. And I was going <laughs> to t-shirts to say, yeah. white people, like all these things, I was going to do it. But they, 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 they said that was racist. So I didn't understand how I was going to win. <laughs> but that's not the problem. The problem is not the magnet school. The problem is it's like blaming the um, lifeboats for um, not having enough room for the people off, off, mm-hmm. coming off the Titanic. The issue was the raggedy ass schools from which the black kids were coming mm-hmm. made it impossible to have enough spaces in the magnet schools. And so when we sought to expand the magnet schools, which in fact, the people who were fighting for magnet schools, Elizabeth Horton, Chef and others, when they relieved some of the uh, limitations on magnet schools, what we were going to do is we were going to open a school up the street with 2,700 kids on our waiting list. We were letting 50 kids in a year. That wasn't because of magnet school. That's because of the state of Connecticut. And that's because of the laws are written. So we were going to take over a school that was up the street. But guess who stopped it? The teachers union, some bum ass people who were on the Board of Education. And, and it's their weak asses that took away the opportunity for Black and Latin kids to have access to a quality education. And so because they wanted to, I was told by a member of the Board of Education, 
Um, his name is going to come to me, and I'm going to say it because I want people to know his name. He's a clown. But he told me in a in a straight-up uh, public meeting, he said, Dr. Perry, I acknowledge that your school is one of the highest-performing schools in the state and country. Your average daily attendance is, attendance is up over 97%. He said, but I guarantee you will never have another school in Hartford. Mm. He wow. told us, this is a Latin dude, don't, so just be clear. Let's be crystal clear. We ain't talking about some white dude. We talking about mm-hmm. a quote-unquote mm-hmm. brother calls himself from Hartford, a progressive, all this other foolishness, all the credentials. Mm-hmm. And that clown mm-hmm. was one of the reasons why we didn't have schools, any more schools. So it's not that the magnet school didn't let them in. They didn't create enough seats in the magnet school. They could have magnetized the entire district, you understand, in which case they would have brought down the number of the percentages of students who need to be in there. They could have done that. They, meaning Harvard Public Schools, could have done that. Mm-hmm. But Harvard Public mm-hmm. Schools had no courage. They let the Harvard Federation teachers a bunch of really, oh, man, Ooh, not wow. smart people step in the way. And so that's why, so when, when, you blame, when you blame the magnet school, it is like blaming the um the lifeboat for not having enough room and therefore sinking the lifeboat. Meaning if, if, if nobody's, if everybody can't get on, then nobody can get on. And that's what's in the pattern. Bro. So, so real quick, we are a pro union show. We are it not. Sounds like you got I'm a lot of enemies. Say, I, 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 I knew you was coming with that and never have been, never have been. <laughs> it like won't be. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Not today, not tomorrow, not yesterday. Funny, funny, Dr. King had an issue Mm-mm. with unions. He had quite a few issues with, with unions, despite the fact they hold him up as a poster boy for, the, for their cause. Mm-hmm. It was Dr. King who came to uh, New York City and uh, notified Al Shanker that he had to stand down because he was standing in the way of, um, of community control in 1968 after they did three strikes in a row. That was Dr. King telling them to stop. That was Dr. King. Wow. Who was calling wow. for schools outside of the community? Dr. King said that that the public schools do not know what to teach or how to teach. Therefore, we need to take our kids up out of that. Was Dr. King mm. in '68? Where do we go from here? Community chaos. So, and it was Malcolm who made it very clear when he talked about the the wolf, the wolf and the um and the fox, and he was specifically talking about the unions when he was talking about the fox. He was talking about them being the ones who seem like they're your friends, but they're the ones who's making sure that your heads get split open. Mm-hmm. I rock with the with the founders on this one. Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 wait. He wait. said founders. Hey, you, 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 uh, yeah, you yeah, are nah. uh, courting Malcolm X. And, so, and since you're courting Malcolm X, I see Reef getting all in a tizzy because that's usually his go-to every week. So, Reef. Hey. How you he, should, he should be every he should be everybody's tizzy, bro. Mm-hmm. As he said, he's a founder. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know exactly what he said. Like when he spoke to the OAAU, he told New York, "Hey, thirty percent of these schools need to be given over to the community, over to the yeah. people. You know, and and not just sit there, you know, and say like, oh, these are our schools. You're taking any? He's like." No, they're not your schools. Bro, I can't right. get over so, this no, voice. Yo, wait, wait, wait. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yo, Reef, where are you buying your new Listen, I'm going to tell you. Listen, I'm going to tell you. The other day, I was trying to rest. I was trying to rest. I was drinking my peppermint tea. And 
Q Sci-Fi here <laughs> sent me all these texts like order this and order that and order. so you know what I did. Now that I I did it, now he wouldn't give me trouble. You, know but you sound like, like when Prince yeah, used to make them albums where he would slow his voice down <laughs> and then speed it back up and slow it down again. <laughs> and you always say he was a genius. You so sound like Housequake. You sound like Housequake about to happen here. But go on, bro. Go on. I'm sorry. What you were saying about the founder? Hey, what's, your, you know. what's, your, what's, what's the question for Dr. Perry, sir? <laughs> You know, so one of my questions is, you know, and, and people in Philly give him a hard time about this, right? Like, so you you did you did social work, you you did some social work, you did you know like an apprenticeship or internship or something in a Philly school, and when you describe, and I, I think we have to tell the truth about like our experiences, right, so that things can get better. But you catch a lot of flat about you know uh, sharing your experience and why and how it informed how you approach education after that. Can you just give a, a quick note about what that was all yeah, about? I didn't realize I caught heat from it. I, again, I got to pay attention to this stuff because I'm too busy working to worry about people <laughs> talking about how I work. Um, now they were like, he's slamming Philly. I'm like, yeah, that's the conditions that you're talking about horrible. should be slamming. Strawberry Mansion was a horrible, horrible excuse for a school. Like it really was. It's not the fault of the children. All they did was come to school. Mm-hmm. When, when I'm in a building, in the zip code. when I'm in a building, and the uh, and the principal tells me school ends at two oh seven. You should be out by two oh seven because I can't protect you much longer after that. Okay, copy that. You got that all day, brother. I'm out. Like, what am I supposed to do? Sit there and argue with this man? When we going through archway metal detectors in 1993, when people were being patted down in 1993, when we got basketball games where you can't have fans in 1993, I mean, are you kidding me? What do you want me to say about that? I got it one step further. As every single teacher in that school, as every single uh, administrator who's in that school, all of them, not some of them, hey, man, where's your kid go to high school? Right. I, I guess they didn't say <laughs> no, that. No, they didn't. They- <laughs> so, so what I saw there uh, was an abomination. And you can't call it anything other than that. When I was there, I spent... 45 minutes trying to untangle the mess that took 23 hours and 15 minutes to produce every single day. And and that's not cool, man. There's nothing wrong with the kids. The kids were not broken. They were not broken. And there were many people who were caring individuals who worked in the school, but everybody in the NBA is a professional basketball player. Everybody, everybody in the NBA is a professional basketball player. But it's going to be a long time before the Celtics win another title. It's just going to be a minute. And so that doesn't mean that they're less professional basketball players. It just means that everybody can't win. So in the case of Manchin, I got the opportunity to work there. And, and what I learned while I was there was that if you're not part of the solution, then you are part of the problem. And there are many people in that building who were collecting checks and knowing damn well that it was it was <laughs> egregious what was going on. I mean, I would go. I went one time into the teachers' lounge and they were talking about kids so bad I had to leave. And so I walk across the hall, and we had this group. I'm sitting with a group of kids, and you know, then I was Mr. Steve. I wasn't Dr. Perry, and so this kid says to me, Mr. Steve, and he didn't really talk during. We called a family group. He didn't really talk much. And so he said, Mr. Steve, I said, hey, son, what's going on? He said, how can they teach us if they don't like us? Mm. 
Now, this, kid could, this kid could not read stop on a stop sign. If you took the word stop off of a stop sign and wrote it down, he could not read it. He was in, he was in the ninth grade, and he was only 14 years old, so he hadn't been paying multiple times. He was 14 in ninth grade. I know he couldn't read the word stop because I thought I would build up this kid's confidence because he said his goal was to be a garbage man because he liked the way they stood on the back of the truck. And he felt like they were doing something really powerful for the community, so that was his goal. So I, I'm trying to build this kid up like, yo, bro, you could really do this. Like, it, it can happen for you. Like, this is your dream. Let's make your dream come true. And he said, I'll never pass the driver's test. Yes, you will, son. Watch this. I took the word. I wrote S-T-O-P on a piece of paper. I said, what's that word? He said, sister, star, all, star, all, put, Mm-hmm. Could not read the word stop. Now, I was not the first person to test that young man's ability to read, but I was the person who recognized he couldn't. Now, as a as a social work intern, there really wasn't much more that I could do other than to recognize this is not for me, man. I don't I don't like being on the back end of this. I want to be up top. I want to change the system. Our people are not stupid. Our kids are not broken, man. They're not broken. That's why people ask me, why are you so passionate? What the hell else would I be? Have you met our kids? Our kids are mm-hmm. dope, man. Like our kids are freaking amazing. Our kids are awesome. Like they're just, I, I, if you could work in any other school system, like you work in any kind of school system and you don't work in the hood, you're missing out. Mm-hmm. It's just so much more fun. It's just mm-hmm. so much more fun. Yeah. yeah and hey, uh, I, I got a follow up. Let me, Charles. let me just ask her a quick follow up uh, question. Oh. Uh, God, you, you, really, you mentioned you social talk? work. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned social worker and three of us that were actually social workers and then, you know, in the, in our districts, right? Can you just talk about how that informed, you know, your approach to education? What insights did it give you as a, you know, lifelong educator at this point? Everything that I do is based upon my based upon my social work foundation. Everything. Our school is designed as a part is is designed as a social service agency that delivers as its agency agency through education. Our school's theme is social justice. Everything that we do is to build our young people up and to teach them efficacy, to show them how to advocate for themselves and others. Uh, teaching a child to read, write, and compute is, is useless. It's only as valuable as your fingers going across the surface of the water. It disappears as quickly as it's formed, unless you freeze that water and, and, and scratch it into the surface and now it starts to mean something. The freezing of it is helping children understand the game, understand the system, understand what's going down so they really can understand that this is bigger than them, that they have been played. And so as a social worker, what I had the chance to see was I got the chance to sit down and talk to kids without the, um, without the obstruction of a, of a subject, just to sit down and talk to them throughout the through the gauze of just our relationship and to build that relationship with them it was just i mean to, i learned so much from the children and and actually when i came back to connecticut the first thing i did was i ran a homeless shelter um and what was trippy about that was one of the first uh people i saw when i got there was this girl i used to love her in high school you remember everybody got that like oh man she's a one and so i saw her there at, at night and i was like oh snap you work here she said no whoa so i got a sense i went from being somebody who used to get social work services to someone who gave social work services. And it's that that teaches me the empathy that's necessary in this game. Everybody's doing the best they can, man. Everybody's doing the best that they can. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Charles, 
Please yeah, save man. us from Reef. It's all good. I, I mean, <laughs> as a social worker, I, I can appreciate the question. It's just, it is a trip listening to you. Uh, Dr. Perry, your, your mic is popping just a little bit, but we, we can deal with it if we need to. It's no biggie. Um, for the folks that's listening, if you're enjoying what you're hearing so far, before I get to my point and we keep going, we need y'all to like it. We need you to share it. We depend on you all. So if you're enjoying this rawness from Dr. Steve Perry, let's show him that love by sharing it and by liking it and by adding those comments. Uh, one, man, I just appreciate you coming in. I, and I, they spoke to it earlier. There's not a lot of people that's fearless and just out here telling the truth despite being attacked or whatever the case is. I mean, we got some of those profile people here now with both Chris and, and Sharif being in Ed Week for commenting on uh, the, the, the situation with Dr. Uh, Sonia uh, and Ray, you know, isn't, isn't afraid of controversy either. So I just I want to just admire everybody that's on here right now because it ain't easy. My question that I got for you, Dr. Perry, is. What advice do you have for parents and students that are suffering in a failing school and don't have choice as an option? Uh, there are some choice deserts out there. So, you know, if I'm a mom and, and it's just I got these two boys and I'm trying to do the best I can and they can't read. They like that ninth grader. And I grew up with people like that. What's your advice for people that's like that can't go to that charter school or won't get into that magnet school or don't have money for that private school? I see that. Is and, and you've been threatened that if you get caught using the wrong address to go to a different school, you can go to jail, which happened to my mother. That is the hardest question that I face, period. You ask me any other question, that's the hardest one because my answer is insufficient as I say it. I know that. I don't, I don't have any misgivings about the answer I'm about to give. What I have to tell them is to learn to make pizza from uh, uh, a loaf of bread and some sauce. Mm. It, it ain't pizza. Just because you pour it up there and it looks like then throw a piece of uh, uh, what I would have. I cut the government cheese slice, you know, thin enough where I could throw it on top and put it in the oven. But what that looks like in a very practical sense is uh, what I need our parents who are in that situation to do is to go online and type in how to read and uh, watch all the sites that come up and and ninth grade math and watch all the sites that come up and do all you can to be as disciplined as you possibly can. And God knows, I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. I hear it in my head before it comes out. I actually do sometimes think of what I'm saying before I say it. And this is one of those instances. And I recognize that you are at an overwhelming disadvantage, period. You didn't do this to yourself. And so I don't want you to get caught up in feeling like you can't make it out. You come from strong stock. And because you come from strong stock, you can make this thing happen. So you can help your children perform better. Also, if you can develop some friendships within the school, mm-hmm. find your uh, Harriet Tubman in the school. Um, find the person in the school and she may be, he may be um, a custodian. And they may pull you aside and say, yo, don't take that teacher over there. Take this teacher over here. It may be a lunch lady. It may be the principal. Whoever it is, find your people to put you on. And don't get caught up in the smallness of your own fights. Nothing is more hurtful than to watch a parent come to the school or watch them go to one of these traditional school systems, uh, board of education meetings, and, and fighting over a dirty bathroom. Like... 
yeah, they're going to clean the bathroom, but your kid's not going to be able to read the word on the, on the door. So you won, but you didn't really win. They'll give you that. Mm-hmm. So I want you to keep up with the big fights. And honestly, find people in your community who have at least some parts of what it is that you believe that you want your child to have. If you've seen somebody else send their child to college, humble yourself, sis, and go find out how they did it. What programs did those kids belong to? What church or mosques did they go to? Um, who's their imam or, or who's their pastor? Uh, did they play youth football? Uh, what's the coach's name? doesn't mean that they went to college to play football. It just means that that brother who was out there seven days a week sweating and freezing and doing all the other things, he, he's a ride or die cat. And sure, he may be used to live a different lifestyle. But that cat, if he sees that you care and you're respectful to him, he, he's that guy and he'll help you out. There are more resources in the hood than we sometimes give ourselves credit. I don't want to overstate it. I don't want to make it seem like this is an easy path out. It is designed to make sure you never get out. So let's be clear. Let's be clear. Uh, I was uh, reading The Strike That Changed New York. Easily one of the most important mm-hmm. books on education. Poder. Yep. Period. Yep. And, and in it, one of the things it points out is just how static the problems in public <laughs> education are. In 1969, there were uh, 1% of the children in um, New York City's elite testing schools were black. In 2019, 2% are black. This system is is effectively designed to make sure black people never, ever, 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 ever make it out. So I don't want to give the impression to anyone who's trying to make it out that it's on you, like you just not doing what you need to do. Because you you have, you may, you sometimes may not even have any idea how many people working against you. I'll make this final point. Sometimes it's the person in your kid's school who you think is 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 doing right by you. That's the person who doesn't give your kid homework over break. But she's really, really nice. Like she's so nice and she comes to the games and she knows your name and, you know, but she's got low expectations of your son. And she thinks because your son's got to um, got to help around the house or maybe because he got to get a job that she's got to lower the expectations. And she is killing your future. Mm-hmm. She's nice. She's I mean, she really does have a good relationship with him and he does go to her and she does give him a granola bar and she does sit down and help him out. But she's not giving him homework and she's not she's not putting expectations high on him. And so, no, she's not going to be the one that suspends or expels him, but she's going to do one of the worst things she could do. She's going to soften him up like veal slaughter. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Sobering. All right, bro. So so. uh Breezy, you want it or you or, 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 or you want me to take it? Because it's got it's got to get asked. What? Well, well, so yes, I will ask a question. But before right. I do, I just want to say on this last part, uh, the your last answer, Doctor Perry. I just want to say something that's going to sound unrealistic, but it is realistic in my own mind. Um, which is, I think that we are capable of teaching our own kids in a lot of ways that we're not doing right now. So if you have a raggedy school and you have raggedy teachers and you have no way out, I don't think that that's necessarily the end of your story, like the end of your capability. There are people teaching people 
at home in very low in, in, uh, income circumstances and are scouring resources and coupling up with other friends and churches and all kinds of stuff to hobble together a little education for their kids. So I just want to make sure it sounds unrealistic as I say, because people what people will say to me is they will awful eyes our parents to death, but they can't do nothing. I mean, they get, they got no, no capabilities. And, and Charles uses this word agentic and I'm starting to figure out what that means, which is your school could be trash. Your teachers could be trash, but you still have libraries and a cell phone and access to more information than anybody had 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And you 10 times more capable than these schools think you are in the first place. They need to stop playing with you. Right. And when it comes down to getting free reading materials and free kind of assistance and help or whatnot, it's not easy. So that's why it sounds unrealistic, because it's not easy. But you still a little bit more capable than the schools think you are. Mm -hmm. I would say that I, I could build on that. There's more information available today than there was yesterday. Mm. Absolutely. There's more information now than there was when we got on this Zoom or this this uh this uh podcast we have to hold ourselves accountable in the same way that you could find an AAU coach to coach your five foot nothing son who you think about to go to the league <laughs> yep. who, couldn't, who couldn't hit the wall with a basketball let alone mm. hit a three the same way that you can find a sale on something that matters to you these very same things are important. And we don't know how to have a nuanced conversation. What that means is that we can hold our community accountable without making them the, the responsible for the circumstances. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not suggesting for, for a moment that we created this and that we'll get out by ourselves. And I agree with you. I am a huge proponent of homeschooling, even if not in its formal sense, meaning you keep your kids at home, but that you do so in the evenings and weekends. We watch 60 Minutes every every Sunday night, my family and I. It's a requirement. Mm. Oh, wow. That's dope. It's a requirement. Mm. And as much as my sons and now my niece who lives with us, um, they try to skirt off. They try to do it tonight. You sit down. <laughs> you sit down. And as frustrating as it is for me to watch 60 Minutes oftentimes, because I get it, man. Y'all don't like Big Pharma. I get it. You don't like Republicans. I get it. Like, I get what you I understand. Like, I see what you're doing. But I do think that it's important for us to sit down and have a conversation. I'll tell you this also by way of learning. When I was uh, a number of years ago. Um, I had a funder over my house, uh, the house that we used to live in. And we had a dining room. And like a lot of families, we had a dining room table. We never ate at it. And um, he, he's the man is Jewish and white. And he said, you don't eat at your dining room table. I said, no, nah, I, you know, I grew up in the project. You ate wherever you sat down mm -hmm. <laughs> and you, you know, you disappeared. You didn't have that big of a place to have a dining room. So um, he said, you should use your dining room table. I said, well, why do you say that? He said, because that's where I learned so much from my family. There it is. Mm. You know, there are a lot of things that I learned from, you know, my sons played the piano, uh, not because I liked the instrument, but because the smart white kids I went to school with played the piano. That's the whole research behind it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you learn, you pull, you pull things from other places and you learn and you don't have to be rich to do it. 
no like to pull it in um all right so see, here's the question that that i think they wanted me to ask or that 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 uh Q-Nan and i wanted me to ask you so so listen um some, I, I think one of the first times i became aware of you i saw a clip somewhere and i can't remember where it was but i was blown away and it was a clip with you and Reverend Floyd Flake and a whole group of people, room full of black people discussing education. Uh, and it was a summit of some sort. And I had never, I had not seen anything like it, but it was what I was desirous of was to see a bunch of black people come together and put together their own thing. And living in Minnesota, seeing that, I thought, well, damn, that's possible. That's what's possible. I mean, damn, it was, you know, you had a congressman, you had you, had educators, had other people. I don't know who put that meeting together, how it came together. But what would happen from with our meeting now? Because right now we're in trouble. So so we got an Urban League and a UNCF and an NAACP and other national organizations, the Divine Nine and the 10th, 11th and the Kunanans with the Jack and Jills. And we got everybody. We got all these people with infrastructure and budgets and time and money and leaders and whatnot. Could you do another meeting like that? And what would, what could what could a black agenda look like if, if that meeting could happen? So that wasn't that wasn't a question. But I know ahead, I changed it a little bit, bro, because you know, support we got it here. a lot. So, right. <laughs> All right. So and, and keep in mind, y'all, y'all could never offend me with a question, no matter what it is. Uh, so let, let me say this. I know that whether it's Jack or Jill, Mocha Moms or what have you, black people love joining things. We just do. We got more dues going out of our house than we do investments in our own properties. Like, for real. Uh, you know, we have our sororities and fraternities. We have our masons. We have our church or mosque. Um, we have our professional organization, yada, yada. But we damn sure don't have an alumni association to the historically black colleges that so many of us went to and don't pay back. See, our, our, our infrastructure isn't necessarily around the building of infrastructures around building the social institutions and the socialization of it. And if we're going to be really, really honest, what we have to do is we have to accept that too many black people are just black Democrats and period. Mm. I'm a, I am a Democrat who is black. And what so many of us feel like we are obligated to do is to push that platform which has yet to yield anything of substance for us as a community. We are fighting the same fights we've been fighting against the same people we've been fighting. And if if our only adversary were Republicans, then we'd have won by now. So could we have a meeting? Absolutely. Let me tell you a really quick story. When we started our first school, <laughs> which was a magnet school, but when we started our first school, I, um, I had a meeting at the dining room table just like this. And, you know, because you can't start anything in a black community that doesn't start at the dining room table. So um, we're sitting around the dining room table and we were going to start this school. And, you know, we I mean, it was blackity blick black black, like jet black. <laughs> and and, um, you know, we had the colors, uh, red, black and green, of course. And everything and that was i mean we just did oh man we so dope um that meeting took place in 2002 now if we have another meeting it's gonna be as good as the first one Mm. see what i recognize is that we didn't get in this hole by ourselves and we ain't gonna get out by ourselves 
So we're going to have to work with white folks who are committed to uh, the cause as well. Because on the same token, if you ask me who some of the biggest uh, opponents that I've faced have been, it's been black people and Latin people who are in positions of authority in the community. They want to be the HNIC. So here I come to the Board of Education. They're looking at me like, you ain't kiss my ring, homie. You don't get none. They're the, they're the um, state legislator who I don't kiss his ass. And so they, they, he's telling me he ain't going to give me nothing either. And then I got to straight, you know, light it up on him. And then same thing is with the small business owners. They're not, 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 not them. They're never the problem. But it's the big pastor. I got to be like, come on, bro. Like if, if we work together, imagine the amazing things we could do. It's, it's, I found myself trudging through the challenges of our community with a greater challenge than I do um, any other part of this experience. Meaning that if I didn't have to fight any black people, we'd have won a long time ago. Mm. Like a long time ago by a mm. lot. Wow. Like by a lot, a lot. If, if <laughs> my silly ass thought that because I'm African-American and I'm from Connecticut, that if I come back to my community and open a school like that would be universally accepted as a good thing. Who knew that opening a school to educate black and Latin kids could be controversial? And I'm not even being facetious. Like who even knew that such a thing that such a thing could happen? I didn't know. Like, I honestly thought, like, I'm not slinging dope. I'm not pushing prostitutes. I'm not selling alcohol. I'm taking poor children and making them middle class black people. Mm. How is that controversial for black people? Like, seriously. Uh, So will we have the meeting? Yes. But here's the truth. Everybody ain't invited. You don't get to just come just because you're black. That's not your entry fee. That's what I guess I'm saying. Because there are more than a few black people who can kick rocks. That's right, Ray. Barefooted. (laughs) Hey, Hey, we're usually calling names out, but we're not going to do that right now because I don't feel like being messy yet. But, so, 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 uh, there was a a charter school meeting and uh, and two folks uh, on opposite sides were supposed to have a conversation. Right. So uh, Nino Reese and Randy Weingarten were supposed to meet <laughs> together to have like this conversation. Hey, so, so, yeah, you, you had a lot of energy towards it. Hey, so, so talk, talk to me, talk to us about the energy that you had towards it and like why, why did you feel like, you know, that, you know, why you feel how you feel? Stupid ass. She's dumb. <laughs> and just give more context because some of our yeah, audience you gotta give context. Know who, who these people I are. I don't know. That was hella context right there. <laughs> Stupid ass. Just dumb. <laughs> it's just dumb. Like it's just it, it, look, I like everybody until I don't. And so Randy Weingarten is to education what Bull Connor was to integration. She's against it. He's against it. Randy Weingarten has made her entire living, attorney Randy Weingarten has made her entire living trying to stop black children from gaining access to their right to choose, which came out of 1954's Brown versus Board of Education, which very clearly said that the Negro shall attend the school of his choice. It says it right in there, like it literally says it in 1954. But because 
6% of the children in the United States of America go to non-union public schools known as charters. She has spent every waking moment trying to find ways to undermine us. And so it, suffice it to say, when somebody brought it to my attention that she was being invited to the to speak at the charter school convention, um, we took care of that. And so she didn't speak at the charter school convention, and there was that. Hey, so so here, here's my here's my pushback, right? My pushback yeah. is this: she didn't. It didn't happen. The conversation didn't happen, right? And and look at where we are right now. We got Joe Biden, and we got this anti-charter rhetoric, and and it's it's like reigning supreme. If that conversation would have happened, do you think anything could have changed? Hell no. The only way it changes is if we pay ransom to them. That's it. The only way this changes is if we give them $1,500 out of every teacher's salary. That's it. It's, we are an existential threat to them. By the very existence of black-run charter schools, we show them that we can run our own schools in our own goddamn community. We don't need their permission. We don't need to pay them to to to, to uh, create a relationship between us and our colleagues. We don't need them to come in and be the wedge between the people with whom we work. We don't need them to lie and make it harder to run schools. They are the worst thing that ever happened to education in the United States of America, period, full stop. And you know this because they don't send their own kids to those schools. They just don't. They don't do it. And so since they don't do it, why should we have to? There's no way on God's earth. Rand, let me tell you Randy Weingarten's story. It's a true story. Randy and I were back in the green room at CNN in D.C. And Lamar Alexander was there. And what's the cat's name uh, who is a uh, uh, senator from uh, Colorado, used to be uh, Denver's superintendent? Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, so we're sitting back in the green room. And she says to me before I used to call her out, like I do, um, she says to me, you know, Steve, I think that we could be friends. Like, I think we could work together. I said, no, I don't think so. And she said, no, I really do. She said, I do. I think, I think I said, as long as I said, you fight to hurt kids and I fight to help kids. And that's not fair. She said, I swear to God, she said, Al Sharpton and I are friends. Here, call him. She handed me her phone. I said, Al Sharpton is not the freaking king of all blacks. What are you talking about? And so we went on set and I lit her ass up. <laughs> hey, Michael Bennett is the is the guy you're talking about. That's exactly hey, who it was. Hey, so so here's here's the deal, right? If you ever wanted to, I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you're middle class, and, and, and you know you you have a certain amount I hope of wealth. I'm that doing you, a little bit better than middle at this point. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, uh, higher middle. <laughs> where, where, hey, hey, wherever you are, I know that you know you, you you're doing all right for yourself. But if you ever wanted to be rich, you ever wanted to be rich, switch to the other side. I would, I would be rich, but I won't because I don't, <laughs> I don't love money like that. I love my people. That's what's mm-hmm. up. Because if you knew of a conversation that I had just this past week with a very well-known and wealthy, very wealthy, very wealthy person, um, you would see me even differently. Uh, uh, they they made the wrong decision to to not be honest with me and about something that they were going to do. And uh, what they did was uh, reminded me that I need to remind them of who I was and am. And I explained to them, you don't have enough money at all 
to gain access to my community through me. There are brothers who will do it. I ain't one of them. I will never sell my people out. You don't have enough money because everybody comes back to the black community, OJ. Everybody comes back to the black community, Michael. Everybody comes back to the black community one way or another. Whoa, 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 whoa. Michael never left. Leave Michael alone. What? Wait, wait. <laughs> Lionel <laughs> Richie left. Michael okay, was still I, there. Him too, him too. <laughs> so, so we all come back. And, and, and I recognize that, that the relationship between the black community you know, for what we refer to as a black community is one that is dicey. But the fact is that I'm not going to sell my community out. So I could easily, whatever speaking fees I get now, I could triple my going over and talking about how hard it is to educate these kids and work with these parents and, and how hard teachers yeah. work and speak for mm-hmm. white women all over the country. And they would love me like they love Oprah. But if you knew Oprah like I have had the opportunity to, she ain't who you think she is. She's a real down sister. So let me ask you about the people in our field, though, that play this common ground game. Like, you know, Chris, Chris, if you just said things differently, more people could hear you. And if we could just find common ground and not fight, find the things we believe in together. They told me that BS, yeah. too. I was at the yeah. same one. The same ones who told you that told me that. Mm-hmm. I told him go to hell. I don't want to be friends with people trying to hurt me. I don't want to. Right. Like, why should I have? I know what they're trying to do. They're literally saying that they don't want my kids to have the choice to go to my school. Like, why would I be friends with them over what? I don't care. I don't like them. And so if we remain mortal enemies, I'm completely comfortable with that. I really am. I'm very, very cool with that. A man is not just judged by the friends he makes, but oftentimes by the enemies he makes. And since they're not going to be cool with me any damn way, why am mm-hmm. I trying to make this thing work? The only way it makes it work for them is if I give them the thing that they want, which is control of my schools. I don't want them to have that. I want my community to have control of our schools, our schools mm-hmm. together. It's not their schools. When they, You know when they can really start to impress me? Start sending your kids to these schools that you're making all this, uh, you're making your living off of. Because nobody holds the, the teachers' unions accountable for the fact that they are actually – the home of police as well. They talk about how they're so against um, uh, the police and they want to defund the police. Well, then kick them out your goddamn union then first because mm-hmm. they're in their union. They're the reason why the police in your schools. They are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Randy Weingarten is one of the biggest proponents to bring police in schools. Do the research. It's right there. Right so in front those of numbers. you. Like you see like, wow. They, 20, almost a third of their investments are in the prison industrial complex. That's the mm-hmm. truth. America Federation mm-hmm. is right there. Mm-hmm. Just look at that. Look at that. Um, what's the 1099s? It's right there. And their filings right there. It's right there. And then mm-hmm. they can sit there and try like they're our friends. They're not my friend. They're not my friend. I don't have friends like that. Mm. A lot of our people buy it, though. A lot of our people buy it. And get they on that do. train. Um, I know Ray, probably you want to jump in here, but I have one one last question that was for, for Dr. Steve, Dr. The, the, the doctor here, because when you started the school in New York and you were bringing that school, you mentioned earlier that some of your own people, and I always forget this part. <laughs> like we talk about white people all the time. We talk about white po- folks coming for us. But you said earlier in this show that it's your own people sometimes that come after you, right? Oh, and get man. in your way. When you started the school in, in uh New York, I cheered it. But there were definitely people that were there that they show up like clockwork to tear down anything. Uh, how are how, how you dealing with the haters and, and, and with the folks in your own community that want to come and stop you from doing what you're doing? I, I honestly I, I'm being honest with you. 
I keep hearing that I have haters. I just don't have enough time to stop and, and pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Like nobody hates me who pays that much attention to me. Like there are a lot of other feelings that they have. Maybe they need to work on the words. They need to work on their emotional language and, and be able to speak their truth. Maybe there's something else that they feel about me. Get in touch with their emotions. <laughs> Match the language to it. It was the same, man. You can't you can't hate me if you care that much about what I'm doing. Because I ain't worried about what you're doing. Right. So, if it's unrequited love, we can have that conversation. Just tell me what it is. <laughs> but because I don't have time to worry about them, you know, they are only in my way for the time that they are. And honestly, they know they're going to lose. Like, you got to understand mm-hmm. that you're not going to win. Like, you're just not going to win. I'm allergic to losing. So just make that decision. Is Are you prepared to do this for the rest of your life? Because I am. You know, there's no sense in, in making this something other than what it is. I understand that, you know, I don't have a lot of options to get into heaven. And so this is it for me. <laughs> That's all mm-hmm. I got. So I got to do everything I can to make the most out of this. Uh, I am. I, I can't believe that God wakes me up in this life and in this body and allows me to be um, a part of my children's lives. I, I just can't believe that of all the people on earth who's knows he breathes air into in the morning and lets them do what it is that they love. I'm that guy. Like I, I can't believe I get to do this for a living. I just, there's so many times, you know, everybody says that they have different prayers that they pray, but one of the prayers that I I've prayed so many times is God, please don't wake me up and have me be somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I've had the opportunity to spend the time with people who people care a lot about and follow on every device that they have in their life. And and a lot of those people are cool people. Some of them are not, but lo- most of them are really cool people. And I've never, ever, ever been in a situation with one of those cats where I've ever looked at their house and their life and thought, man, I would switch with you. Not once. I don't know how to make beats, so I never talked to Puff about making beats. The only thing we ever talk about is educating kids. I don't know. Do, I don't. I, I'm I'm funny, but I'm not as funny as Steve Harvey. So we don't talk about jokes because he's really funny, like mm. for real funny. I, you know, I've done talk shows, but clearly not that well because I mine got canceled. But Oprah did 25 years, you know, like so. It's a, like I don't do what they do, but they don't do what I do either. I can send 100 percent of kids to four year college. Mm. Fight me. Mm-hmm. Hey, so so <laughs> we're getting near the end. And uh, it's about time to get spicy before we roll into these uh, these final thoughts. So, sir, uh, there's a lot of gimmicky people that give you hell uh, in Harlem. Um, you can't speak on that. Do you need me to elaborate anymore, or you you got it? I, I, which gimmicky person might you be speaking? Of? Are you going to drop? Are you going? Are you going to drop some bars right now, sir? Do the film. <laughs> Let me tell you, film. Are you going to drop y'all some gotta, bars? Y'all got to calm that down, man. Yeah, out of pocket. Hey, hey. Y'all got to calm that down. I just man. listen. I just. Hey, I, I'm only following the leader. Hey, this, so, so he for, said he ain't paying attention to any of that kind of. Let me say this. Let me say this. Right. I know some people on here have relationships with other people. Oh, I do. So, and then, I, I so, so then you say you say that you have a relationship with that person. But I don't, I don't know if you already got to be messy, but do your thing. I'm just saying, I, I, I'll defend it, but go ahead. I just, okay. I'm just not messy right. like that. So go okay. do your thing. We getting the ratings here, man. Hey, the bars. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> what, what I know is this. Anytime, it troubles me when a brother goes out of his way to tear down another brother. And especially when a brother calls himself to be a part of the space that is education. If you, if you have something to offer, offer it. Mm-hmm. If you don't, sit down and move mm-hmm. out the way. But there's, there's one of the cool things is that there's enough 
mess that white supremacy has left for us, for us to all do our own thing, even in opposition to one another, and still end up in a better situation. So I haven't the time in my day to sweat somebody, anybody. It's all... It's always blown my mind when I've watched cats, and I have watched a couple of them, uh, take their time to write papers about me. Like, they're eighth graders. Mm. Um, about a tweet that I may have written or a statement that they may have heard that I said or anything like that, or just attempt to deconstruct the work that I do. But I also understand that if I'm going to be in this chair, then I got to be prepared for people to come for me. It, People far greater than me have had people come for them. So the the part that makes no sense is when people who are in the same space do so. So I say this, if you're that nice at this and you're not just hitting people with theories, you should do it too and do it really, really well. And if the worst thing that happens is that you open up five schools and you send 100% of your graduates on the four-year colleges, then that will be 10 schools that we're doing. And you got yours and I got mine. And thousands of black children will now have access to something, even if our opinions don't don't match. Hey, hey, bro, that was super classy. Charles don't even have to chime in. We ain't dropping no names or whatnot, but yo, I respect that and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right, so rolling into closing thoughts. Hey, Charles, we're going to start with you. Uh, let's get it. Uh, one question I wanted to get to you, Dr. Perry, and we'll have more time together. So if you don't get to it, it's fine. I just wanted to know what you wanted your legacy to be. I think you kind of answered it, but I, but I, but um, if you can address it, that'll be dope in your final. But um, I think in my final thought, man, I, I appreciate today's show, and I, and I, and I'm not even like I'm not mad about where that conversation was necessarily going. I just feel like it's so many places where black folks is just pitted against each other, and I think that. Steve, you answered it right. It's it's a lot of stuff there. Um, and I, as somebody who worked behind the scenes when that stuff was kind of blowing up and reaching out to brothers in a different type of way, you know, I just I just want to make sure that I'm not adding to fuel or whatever when I when I gave some people my word on some stuff. But um, I just I appreciate this, man. I appreciate what you bring and the work that you do. And I do hope that you continue to do it. I, I don't know why your work is such a lightning rod. I don't understand why people go out their way to come for you. I don't understand uh, what the big issue is with one person, one man trying to make sure a bunch of kids get educated and all of a sudden that person becomes the problem or charter schools become the problem and not the system that hasn't served us for a very long time and just in, in finality. Uh, thank you all for bringing up the piece about the police unions. Uh, this podcast has definitely brought up those parallels. It's one gets to abuse and murder and mutilate black bodies with no, with no type of accountability and the other gets to destroy their minds and turn into mush first uh, that, that has them looking crazy in the first place with no accountability. And you become an you become an enemy of the state when you call it out. And I think it's time for that to stop. So whatever energy you got for that union, have it for this one. And let's have a real talk because it's bigger than a union. Our babies are being failed and they can't read. They can't they can't write. They're not being treated well. And when we talk about holding you accountable, the only answer can't be as racist. My students in Indy just did a report and they said, well, the test may be racist, but it's one of the strongest indicators of like act like like economic performance later on in life. So 
why is all only the black and the brown kids got these low scores and everybody else is out here flourishing and why we the poor people when they not? So I appreciate your truth and I appreciate all you brothers for what you bring and what you do. Let me let me say this. Um, I am, again, humbled and honored to be a part of this conversation. And anytime you have me, I will come. Uh, l- let me let me share something with you. Uh, I wrote a book years ago uh, called Man Up, Nobody's Coming to Save Us. And my really good friend is no longer with us. Uh, and brother Yusuf Salam pushed me hard to write that book. And it was at a different time in my life. Um, when I was trying to establish myself and it was as we were starting the first school and he told me to swing for the fence and and I did. And one of the things that I did was when I was writing the book, I called out uh, uh, Dr. Uh, West and um, Dr. Dyson. And um, I didn't know those men. And um, I was... uh, I was imprecise in my critique of them. And in so doing, um, stressed myself into a position I didn't need to, and they didn't deserve. And so one day as, as life happens, I was at an event and I'm sitting down and um, somebody puts their hands on my shoulders and I look up and it's uh, Dr. Dyson. I'm like, oh man, here we go. <laughs> Chickens have come home to roost. And um, he said to me, my wife's a big fan of yours, little brother. Mine, uh, she's, she's over there. And I, I was like, wow, he was so much more gracious than I would have been. He was so much kinder than I was to him. A, a younger uh, me went further than I, I should have gone to make a point. Um, uh, and and each time I've spoken to him, many times I've spoken to him, I've, I've, I've apologized to him. When my son was, when my son who is now in college, he's a freshman now, was applying to school. Dr. Dyson offered to write him a letter of recommendation to go to Georgetown. He didn't have to do that. Who would I be as a man if I didn't extend the grace that he extended to me to another brother who was presumably trying to make his way. Hopefully that's what he was doing. Mm. So, and if he wasn't, he's got to deal with that. So now Dr. Dyson and I, I think, consider ourselves friends. And um, uh, Dr. West and I, I think, are friendly. You know, just time has not ever put us in a place where we can develop more than that as a relationship. But I say all that to say we can uh, push one another as we should, but we have to leave some meat on the bone when we're done because there are enough people on the other side who want to take us completely out. And how stupid will we be to make ourselves so uh, incapable of fighting, incapacitate us that when we, we need each other, which we will need, um, we don't have each other. So, so by way of legacy, I want my legacy uh, to not be a reality for quite some time. I'm just getting started. I'm still a young man, but, but each day we build it because we don't know if tomorrow will come. And what I want is I want, um, when people meet my sons and, um, and niece who I said now lives with us. And when I, when they meet them, um, and they find out that I'm their father or uncle, I want them to thank my children 
for all of the things that I missed for other people's children. Um, I want them to help me make it right. Uh, because the legacy I want is to be a really great dad. And because this system works 24, seven, 365, it doesn't give me the opportunity to take vacations or breaks. It doesn't give any of us the chance to take uh, vacations or breaks. So I want my legacy to be one of, uh, a good father. And I won't be able to make that point on my own. Um, one son is now in college, as I mentioned, the other one is 24 months away. So from college, I should say. And so I, I, I'm but you had a newborn coming. Oh. No, 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 brother. No, no, like, no. All right, no. I got this plan two years from now. Here, here it comes. I'm giving birth to an elephant. Ain't nobody got a 24 month gestation. No, that, no, that's hey, that's, that's Planned Parenthood right there, bro. Serious. <laughs> so I, I want them to. I want to have made enough of an impact through enough of the kids who I've had the opportunity to be a part of their life, just a small grain of sand on their beach, um, to be able to see my sons and niece and be able to go up to them and say thank you. Um, for giving up those nights that you wanted your father to read to you. Um, and he wasn't able to because he was somewhere trying to help me and my family. <laughs> so it's just a simple legacy in that sense. That's Thank what's you. up. Uh, uh, Reefy White. <laughs> yeah, you know what, um, Dr. Perry, thank you for that. You know, um, particularly just, you know, when you talk about your legacy and your children and, and the sacrifices that that people have to make when they are working um, in service of the community, right? When you're, when you are working uh, to better the lives of God's creation, like it is, it is going to be some sacrifices. And so I appreciate you, uh, you know, pointing that out. And, and it's a, just a great reminder of like why communities are communities, why they have to be communities, why we have to uh, rely on each other. Um, I think the favorite, my favorite line or, you know, my takeaway tonight was something uh, earlier that you said that if if the Republicans were the only enemy, we would have won. And and I think that just uh, just is a clarion call for, you know, more unity, for institution building, for collective accountability. But as you said, don't try to destroy your brother who also loves the community. And so I, I th- and then lastly, I would say, you know, this is just another reminder uh, for me of why I've always thought that any educator should have some social work experience. Um, people should not, you know, uh, jump into schools that they probably won't likely stay in uh, the last semester of their senior year uh, in college and then say, OK, this is this is my experience. And, and like, you know, maybe a semester or two should be, you know, case management as a social worker, mm. you know, working in a rec center the second year and the third Send year. To their homes. The exactly. Go to somebody's home. Like, exactly. As a social worker, like what trips me out is I watch teachers bitch and moan about having to stay after school. How about this? Go to Chester, Pennsylvania, like I did. Go to Coachville, Pennsylvania, like I did. Go to the Hill, which is a housing project there at uh, 11 o'clock on a, a, during the summer where stuff is heating up and, and go there and then go find somebody. Do that. Mm-hmm. And then sit down and try to talk. Do that. Then mm-hmm. then talk to me about staying after school. Oh, your ass will stay after school. Like, oh, that's all I got to do is stay after school? In the school? Mm-hmm. I've got that all day. So go to, I, I mean, when I hear teachers complain about how hard it is to work and how little money they make, are you kidding me? 
Are you kidding me? Work as many hours and days as, as social workers in the hood do. That's that's a whole different thing, man. Your whole life is on the line. Like it's not when, when I when I was doing home visits for uh, this organization called uh, Vision Quest and then mm-hmm. Home Quest. When I would go do that, you know, those are down around Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's basically a probation agency. So I would go there and I'm doing these visits. All I had was a walkie-talkie. What the hell am I going to do with a walkie-talkie? Throw it at somebody? <laughs> like, I ain't got, look like a cop. I would leave that joint in a car. Like, shh, this ain't going to do nothing but get me beaten up mm-hmm. or, or, or turn into a hostage. So mm-hmm. it, I agree. you got to have that social work background. If you don't, then I don't understand how you do the job. Like, you scared of the kids. How you going to educate them? Why y'all so goddamn scared all the time? Go mm-hmm. visit them. Go to the house and sit down. And And... I remember one house I went to, I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And like, it was, oh man, we're going from house to house. And I was like, next house I go to, I'm going to the bathroom. I don't care. So I go, I go to the bathroom and the toilet clearly hasn't been flushed for days. And it's just piled. And that's how these folks lived. Mm. You smell the house from the outside. And I got to sit there and I got to work. I didn't go to the bathroom, but I got to work. I got to still work in there. I'm not in a classroom I'm not in an air conditioned classroom. I'm at I'm at their house. I'm boxed in. My car's blocked in, so I can't get out. Anything they want to do to me, they could do. So I gotta come in on the hard humble. Ain't nobody like I'm from this hood. Ain't that ain't gonna do nothing but get you hurt. Mm. So it, it requires that level of humility when you when you are doing the home visits that you you understand. You know what? Let me come in here. Hey, Miss Such and Such. Hey, Mrs. Such and Such. You better learn some some prefixes before you get there and be respectful before you get hurt. Like for real, get hurt. Cause ain't, what are they gonna you gonna lock them up? That's why you're going there in the first place. They already locked up. Mm-hmm. They, until you go to a house and you walk in at 10 30 at night and you see a Glock sitting on the floor pointed towards the door, and they're like, Oh, he's good, he's good, let him in. And you're like, nah, you ain't really gotta let me in. I'm good. You just stick your head I'm completely okay. I already got my visual, so I'm going to see y'all later. <laughs> Everybody good. I ain't see that on the floor. I ain't see mm. the cutting up. I'm just trying to get home and do what I got to do. When people who work in education, when you got to live that life, when that's what you really doing, oh, yeah, it'll change the way you do this thing. You're not going to get in there talking slick to anybody's kids because you know who's back at the house. Now, you ain't going to say any old thing because you don't see who their brother is and you see who their auntie is and you know the aunt will fight you at nine months pregnant. She will fight you straight up and won't think twice about it. So I definitely mm. agree with you there. Yeah. And then I lastly, agree. I just want to say, you know, uh, I'm glad that uh, Q Sci-Fi got that that Overbrook shirt on. You know what I mean? That's what's up. Shout out to the bro. <laughs> Shout out to the bro. That's what's up. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> this guy. Hey, Breezy. <laughs> Um, no lie, man. No lie. Uh, George Clinton once told me a story that I thought was the funkiest story I ever heard until you just told a story about the bathroom. True story. <laughs> and, true story. And it's a true story. He really did tell me a story and yours just topped his story. Um, listen, I just appreciate what you do. And uh, I often try to say I identify as an activist or a parent uh, activist or somebody who who fell into this some kind of way and say I'm not an educator and people push back on me and all that. But 
the my my main point is results. My main point is is always around the fact that we have too many kids that I don't think are going to be set up to be the citizens we want them to be ten years from now, fifteen years from now, and that we're still going to keep talking about race problems. We're going to still keep talking about uh, strife and the wealth gap and the the housing gap and the income gap and the job gap and the gap gaps and the gapity gap 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 gaps. And it's never going to end until we start taking care of the the young brain. So when I see people running schools that are actually succeeding with kids. That's it. That's hundred percent. That's the gold standard. That's everything. But, uh, and everybody in this podcast knows I have a distrust for professionals. I have a distrust for educated people. I feel like educated Negroes are killing us. I've said it before. Oh, I, threatened to, I threatened, to, threatened to put it on a t-shirt. Uh, Sharif and I've done a big show about the talented 10th. So all these folks with the PhDs and the doctorates that like to get on the shows and talk about things. I always come away with one question. Show me your school. Show me your results. Show me your receipts. Don't show me those three letters after your name because I'm sick of that shit just to be real with you. And honestly, like when you watch Congress and you see the Republicans and the Democrats screaming at each other and you know they're going to go play golf later. That's how I feel about PhDs. The kids all go to the same school. No, no, no. no, no the same listen, school. Listen, and that's how no, I feel no, about listen, PhDs. The kids black literally people. about that. You know, these, these same these same people who are so pro public school and so anti school choice. Their kids, kids all go to state go to the same exact school as the GOP. Now, like, right. Literally the same exact school. Joe Biden didn't send a single child to a public school. Not one. Not one. Not one. Kamala. None. None. Obama. None. And truth be told, a lot of the people in this field, when we're talking about who have the most to say with their PhDs and their books that they write and their theories and their secret handshakes they have with each other and their publish or perish bullshit that they got going on also aren't going to put their kids in the worst performing schools in their cities. They're not doing it. Even if they did, which they won't, which they won't, they will not. I know they will not because they don't. But even if they did, it wouldn't be the same experience as somebody who has nothing and has no other option. It's very, very different. It's like the difference between being homeless and camping. <laughs> That's true. That's true in a lot of ways. I would respect it more, though. I would respect but, but it more won't. if you knew it. But yeah. they won't. And they won't but do it. They will not do it. They won't do it because they ain't about that life. And that's what sickens me. I don't mm. care if you if, listen, if you say that you only want your child to go to a neighborhood school that the government picks, then let me, I, I, hey, I pay as part of the government. Let me pick your kid's school. I will pick the worst school in the city. And then you tell me that you still want to send your child there. You're not going to do mm. it, man. You're not going to do yeah. it. I want to make this last point, though, with the PhDs and the reason I wasn't trying to be messy in this program, but I have no respect for a certain part of the political, like, listen, you mentioned Dyson and West. Those two have had the same type of, of, of beef publicly, intellectually, that some hip hop artists have had. And I'll let them work that out. I'll let them like do their back and forth. But when I pick sides is when somebody's bringing a school to a community that I know is good for our kids. And then the naysayers show up just in time to throw all kinds of salt on the game or to, to sell it from happening and, you know, or to sell a book or do whatever. I look at them the same way I would look at somebody beating up on EMTs when they come to save you after you've been shot. Right. Listen, bro, so I, I don't have a lot of respect for them clear. at all. Let, None. And, let me, and, and let me be really clear. 
it, it takes a lot for me to get to this space because I'm disgusted by people who make such an effort to, to, to put my name in their mouth about something that I don't even know you. Like, literally don't even know you exist. And so that you make it your business to come and try to tear down. If it was my work by myself, then I would say, okay. But you're not, it's not just me, man. Like, there are hundreds of That's people right. who are grinding every day. That's right. On both sides of the aisle just to make this thing happen. Hundreds of freedom fighters who've come together around this idea that we might be able to build something for our community. And how dare you claim that that you, you have the mantle of caring about the community, but your black behind is trying to tear us down. Like, what are you doing? If anything, call me up and say, hey, man, I don't feel this way about you. I don't feel that way about you. How can we work together? How? And then if I tell you to kick rocks, then, then you could say, you know, I try to work with this client. He didn't want to take my, my hand. So, you know what? He's, he's a bum. OK, cool. But to get on television and literally start calling me out. And, and not just calling me out, call it out Puff and everybody else and, you know, saying that we're phonies and, and, and really just like seriously, seriously, seriously going on some recklessness that that in other quarters would cause a very, very different and physical reaction. Yes. It's just not necessary. That's it, right. Like, That's right. It, it goes to the That's point right. where you're like, are you serious right now? Like, that's how you living. That's what we doing. Again, it's one thing to disagree about what one person does versus the other, but to to personally attack. So I'm saying I don't hear what you're saying as necessarily. I understand uh, what Brother Cole is talking about. But what I'm also saying is. Don't start no more be none. We don't need to do that. None of us need that in our life. None of us. And so I'm owning when I came in a way that was wrong. That's why I brought that story up, because Mm -hmm. I didn't. I was wrong. There's no like, well, you got to understand. I still feel, for instance, that in in the course of my argument had something to do with I felt like uh, coming after Cosby at that time when at the time he was working to do the things in the community that I knew he was doing before I met him. Like I knew he was doing gang work. I knew he was doing other things. And I felt like if you're going to, I actually was making an argument that I'm making now. Don't come for a man in public like that. Like if you could work with this brother, work with them, but damn, we don't need anybody else trying to cut our heads off. That was the argument that I was making. I didn't make it in a, in a um, I, I made it in a caricature way. I didn't, I didn't say it in, in the way in which I think I should have. And now you know, my, my 51 year old mind would say it very differently than it did then. So I'd like to think that that's the case. And and so I know that we have done too much to destroy ourselves as a communion. Damn, here we go again. When I, when I would read the root and see people um, up there I, saying things, I'm thinking really y'all and people, a, a, a person who is one of these PhDs, not one of the ones who you're thinking about, who, who uh, positions himself as, as being some sort of guru, this guy will call me. I didn't call him. He would call me and try, and try to work with me to put him on to stuff. Mm. Like, I'm not lying to you. And so for this cat to then go on and do a 30-minute show a 30-minute podcast about me. Who's got my cell phone? I mean, bro. That's my point. This and, is and my like, point, though. What this the F, point? Like, and so I called this dude. 
And I'm like, bro, really? You, you don't even think, even if you disagree with me, if you disagree with me, first find out if what you think I said, I actually said, and I'll tell you, that's not what I said. Not what I said at all. And so it, if you, if you want to know, you just ask me and I'll tell you, cause I ain't gonna run from a word that I've ever said. If I did, if I said something I later reflect on and think I should not have said it, I will own that. And if I said something that I meant, I'm gonna say that too. So for this brother didn't go on and do a 30 minute show about me, ripping me for 30 minutes. Yeah, you know what? And and for people who are watching this and seeing this, like sometimes I feel like a lot of this is inside baseball with our folks, and I'm glad people get a glimpse of it. My point in, in all of this is to say, I push all of y'all together and watch as a spectator, as a person who has kids upstairs that I got to educate, as a person who's trying to educate myself over time to be smarter about these things, who considers all you all to have something to be credible and expertise. But I'm asking the most basic question a black person can ask, which one of y'all got receipts? Because we're going to push all the other ones to the side. That's and what that's, we're going to do. We're going to push all the educated Negroes together. And then we're going to say, okay, which ones of you got some receipts? Because the ones that you don't raise your hand so we can actually kind of, you know, clear the like field I, a little bit, right? Like when I that's what day, we should do. Once, one time I spoke at, the, at um, in two days, I spoke at ALEC, which is the Republican think tanky thing. They asked me to come speak. I said what I say anywhere about why our community needs school choice to all white audience. In fact, I said to them, you know what? Y'all are afraid that somebody's going to call you racist. And it's probably because a lot of you are. (laughs) But that doesn't mean we can't find a way to work together. So that is that. Then my next day, I spoke at the Urban League with Joanna Hayes before she was a politician or before I knew she was a politician and, and another brother from the West Coast. And this cat claims to be so anti-school choice. And you ask him where his kids go to school. <laughs> Always the best question. Yo, yo. It's like, what the, are you serious? You put together Woo! the platform for the NAACP and your black ass is sending your kids to what? Are you kidding me right now? Oh my God. Come on, man. And, and so I don't even want revenge. I just want equity. That's all I'm saying. I hey, just want for my kids what you get for yours. Hey, Steve, Steve real quick, real quick. Um, somebody had asked, who would be your choice for uh, Secretary of Education? Give me two. I, I know you're one, but give me two, though. Jeffrey Canada. That's one. I mean, first. Um, yeah. And then Howard Fuller. Those are my two. I don't think the OG want that, though. You know, I don't, think either, I don't not, think either one of them want it. But they don't. Well, G said he retiring and, and yeah. don't even drive down his street. But he, he, and, he can't and, retire, and, though. He can't the, really the, retire, though. He, he is the Oracle, and I yeah. will... That's the Oracle and the Godfather in my head. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Because I, I was listening to a show the other day in which the Oracle, and well, I want to know where it originated from so we can give whoever originated it is their role. Oh, you talking about Jay's show. <laughs> so hey, when, I, call, I call Dr. Fuller the Oracle because, I mean, have you seen... Uh, 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 now I'm blanking on it. With Keanu Reeves, the Matrix, the Matrix. Matrix. I mean, is there is there is there an embodiment of the Oracle that's more him? No, but did it come from you or did it come from Jay? Well, I would say it was me. (laughs) But 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 but, let me be clear. Uh, 
I think it's I think it's an organic name that anyone who sees him and has ever seen the Matrix would say that's that's him. Like he is the Oracle. So he is the Oracle. Uh, he is the Oracle. I I go to him. And when he when he will bless me with what it is that he's thinking, I take it um, and, and I hold on to it like it, it came from on high. A man, let me give you a really, really, really quick story about it. So one day, <laughs> this always happens to me. It always happens to me. So I'll call Dr. Fuller and I will say, um, like, I think I have this like dope story for him. And so one day I, um, <laughs> one day I told him that somebody got me the best gift I've had. I've really gotten this year. Someone bought me the uh, Ebony magazine from my year of birth, 1969 and the month of my birth, which is um, mm. August. Mm. And so ironically, the edition of the, uh, of the Ebony magazine is the revolutionary issue. Mm. And if you were to read it, it would seem like it's written today. But, mm. um, but uh, in that, there are these kids fighting for, guess what? School choice. School. Mm. No lie. In 1969. Mm-hmm. So I say, I say to Dr. Full, I take a picture of it and I say, look at this. They're fighting the same fight that we fought. Dr. Fuller being Dr. Fuller said, those are my students. Uh, at Malcolm X University. At Malcolm X University. That brother does that to me all the time. I'll be talking to him and he'll be like, no, Chris, when I was meeting with Paulo Ferreri in um, the Mau Mau came, um, we didn't have no shit that y'all got today. And I'll be like, damn, bro, really? Really? You was there with, with Paulo Ferreri, with the Mau Mau, with the whatever. And this is why, but this makes my earlier point that I made. Look how people come for him and come for you and come for others that are such a treasure to us and call you everything but the child of God. Mm-hmm. And he's got 90, 90 more stories than you got. Uh, all his critics, every yes, critic he- that comes from or whatnot, he's got more, more stories than they got of what he's done for us. Um, and just as funny, y'all bring this up, because for some reason, Waiting for Superman popped into my feed tonight and I was watching it because it's been 10 years. And there he was. I forgot he was even in it. I forgot I mean, he was in it. <laughs> he showed him. When I, met, wow. when I met him first, when I first met him, honestly, it was I, I, I was I don't remember what I said because I know that it didn't it didn't make much sense. But I, I watched him and I just kept thinking, wow. He's just he's better in person. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's just better in person. And and so I don't ever feel like I even have a right to get tired. I don't feel like I ever have a right to think about giving up. I mean, mm-hmm. I just don't ever. I mean, it, it, again, happened yeah. to just like I, I showed him a picture of, of the Ebony magazine. He's like, yeah, that's such a, such a, such a, such a. And then he says. Turn the page. I'm like, what are you talking about? Turn the page. Like, oh, he said, like, all right, well, I'm, thank, thanks so much. I'll, you know, I, I'm not going to do that again. Uh, this is, you're the guy. To your point, uh, Chris, we have to honor those people mm-hmm. who have done the work. And, mm-hmm. and I'm with you. If all you're doing is talking about it, shut up. That's Seriously, right. shut up. That's right. You're boring us. This is how how good would it be if all I had to do is talk about running a good school? After I sit there and run my mouth on social media and everything, I got to bust my ass and make sure my school is, is worth being a school. Like it, it just is. It, 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 and, and, and I have to make sure that my teachers are growing hard, going hard. I got to make sure my I man spent all day uh, 
today uh, and yesterday um, going over my uh, uh, my observation notes from last week of, of classes that I'm observing to make sure that we get better at our jobs. And, and I mean, that's what I really do. I don't just get to write books about this stuff. I, mm. I, I get to live it and write books. Mm-hmm. Hey. So hey, I'm I'm pulling my guy up, my guy right now because you know he did the he did the ten part series with Doctor Fuller, bro. <laughs> hey man, tell us where we can find it one, and tell us what that experience was like. Uh, I mean, one, I mean, Doctor Fuller has been like really really big for me, very very similar in a way that Steve had kind of d- described and. Part of the impetus for hurrying up was that my other mentor on the healthcare side, his cancer came back aggressively and he was like, you need to go do that thing with that other young man you was telling me about. And so it was great. I mean, Dr. Fuller, can he don't think he has, it's funny because he don't think he has a lot to say and he does. So we like, <laughs> you just take one conversation and then he lays out the rest, the next 10 episodes and then I would just let him go. So my job was actually fairly easy. Um, and actually, you know, we haven't said it publicly, but you know, Steve may have his his own some, somewhat similar version of that um, to kind of expound on a lot of his thoughts as well. So, um, but I think that we have to capture our greatness. I think that, Ray, what you have been doing with your other shows has been great. I think we had, I mean, I think Chris and Sharif were in Ed Week last week or something. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, what is my life? I was a guest lecturer today. I had to like, um, I was a guest on in, in our doctoral program. And I just was like, I just was talking about the people I work with. You know what I'm saying? These people looking at me like these doctors, right? And I always make sure I drop the line. Now, some of these people ain't going to believe in you once you get through this. So, you know, what's the real work that you're going to do? And I think that all that stuff is electric. And, and, and so I appreciate you doing what you need to do. Dr. Perry, I agree with you even what you said about the way people came at you. Um, and I would never stop any of y'all for defending yourself. I just know how I, how I ride for y'all and how I defend. So if, if it gets to a point, I just, I'm different. I'm different and I'm a little bit more protective over the people that I care about. But we got to start being protective over each other because it's, it's people that's over here hurting and suffering in silence and being threatened behind the scenes. Like some of this shit really runs like the mob and it's just really interesting. And, and, and at an appropriate time- that's- but 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 stay there for a second what a lot of brothers end up doing is they get invited to the ivory tower and they think that that sticker on their car means a goddamn thing if it says such and such university like you don't work that you work at that university homie that university is not there for you it's never been there for you and once you run a file of that university they will fire your black ass bastard you can say jackie robinson so don't think for a second that you are part of the university because you're not, you're not, you are not, you're not. And mess around, make one white woman there feel uncomfortable, make somebody feel like, like you've intimidated them and watch you disappear. And guess who you're going to come to? You're going to come to the black people who've been in the black community the whole time. ain't never left. You're going to come to us on some, yo man, can you believe it did me dirty? Sure can. That's why I don't work there. That's why I don't work there. That's why I started my own schools. But your black ass has so much to say. Now you done made it hard for all of us. See, because if you had done it the right way, you could have gotten put on. I could have gotten put on. We could have put hundreds of other brothers and sisters on. And then everybody eats, right? Because imagine how dope would it be if Philly had 100 schools run by African-Americans and Latinos that we started in just Philly. Mm-hmm. Then in New York, a hundred schools. And in Chicago, a hundred. 
A hundred. A hundred. Because in Chicago, remember in 2013, they were threatening to close 52 schools. Not because they ran out of money, because they because they could not, because that was when they were actually thinking that they could change things, that they would actually do something. What if those schools got turned over to our community? What if it did? And if nothing else, if one of the reasons why we started our own schools, because I watched these other people do it. And I thought, you know what? I can suck at least as bad as they do. Because, I mean, I'm watching them and they're terrible at it. So what if I give it a shot and I'm actually better than they are, at least as good as they are? We could and should be pushing to make sure that there are more and more opportunities. Imagine the biggest problem that we face as an African-American community was we had too many schools that were doing well that were being run by African-Americans. Imagine, imagine what that would look like. Imagine what would happen when you as black middle class men. And, and if each one of you are fathers as fathers, if you didn't have to make the decision whether or not to send your kid to a good school or an integrated school. Imagine that. Imagine what it would feel like to have your choice of schools run by people from your community. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Well, I don't want to go to the school of social justice. You know, I want to go to the science, the STEM school. Well, I want to go to sports and medical sciences school. What about you? I want to go to the journalism school. All of them run by us, not working in those schools that are mm-hmm. run by somebody else, because that's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. What if it was run by us? Our school in Harlem that that brother has so much to say about all black board, all black. But see, Steve, this goes back to my, my story from earlier that I was asking you about. What if all the sororities and fraternities had schools? Hey, don't do that. What if, what if the Urban League that. had schools? Don't no, I'm going to do just, I'm, I'm doing this. Why? Like, just Why? last week, someone pinged me and told me the NAACP does have a school somewhere. The Urban League in Miami does have uh, a, a school, actually a good one, as a matter of fact. And so it's it's happening in small uh, levels. We just need people with infrastructure. You know who, you know who helped me get you know, the school? So. You know who was really instrumental? I want I, I want to give them their, their props. Our school in Connecticut was supported by the president of the local chapter of the NLACP, a brother who I knew coming up. He was Jager. grinding. I was grinding. He knew me when I was running the homeless shelter. I knew him when he was doing gang prevention. And then when it came down to it, we both in these positions that we're in. And then I say to him, Scott X is his name. I say, X, man, I really need you to write a letter to the governor on this one. And he's like, oh, I can't write it as the president of the NAACP because our stance is on this, but I'll write it and I'll sign my name. They don't need to know the mm-hmm. difference whether it's mm-hmm. me as the NAACP or Scott X, but I'm going to do it. And he did that. He did That's that dope. for me. He did that for me. And and be clear, many an NAACP chapter has brought me in to speak at their Freedom Fund dinner. Many uh, chapter has brought me in to speak. And you know what they want me to talk about? How to start schools. Many a black pastor has brought me to their church and asked me, how do we start our own schools? In fact, um, there's a brother out of Wichita um, who saw me speak with uh, Michelle Reese's husband, uh, uh, Kevin Johnson, at an event in Atlanta where there were 240, 250 pastors from 23 cities in uh, across the country, 20 states across the country. And what we what were we talking about? How to start our own schools. Mm-hmm. What I didn't even realize is how many of these brothers and sisters who were pastors, they own the most land in many of their communities. They own the most property, I should say, in many of their communities, whether it be some rural community or some urban community. So the opportunity presents itself for us to do our own thing. Thus, 
why we should be fighting for school choice. Because if you really believe in black power and you really believe in black unity, then why are you waiting for somebody else to teach your children? No disrespect. And I want to make this crystal clear. I am not a fool to think because of a color of a man's skin that he's going to do right by our community. I have seen too many people who I would have sworn are going to do right by mm. us. They got the pedigree, right? They come from the hood. They got their come up story and they back in the hood. And they did, man, please been sold down the river by these mm. dudes because in the end, as my grandmother said, people is people. So I don't want you to think that I think that, but what I do know is mm. it would be dope if the mother's, uh, uh, from the mocha moms said, you know what? Most of us are teachers or educators any damn way. Why don't we start our own school? When I went down to uh, Boca Raton and I spoke at a boule. Sure. And they always, people always make the mistake of bringing me to these upper middle class things. And they, yep. I, I, they, they always do. And I always show my behind. And then they're like, why did he do that? It's like, uh, <laughs> y'all should have brought me here. Uh, so, <clears throat> so I'm there. And literally, this is a group that I know had three retired college presidents, all of color from all over the country, they could start a middle school. They could start an elementary school. Like, they could do that. And, and, like, off the side of the desk. You know what I mean? Like, they've done so much more. And I'm not knocking them, you understand. I'm not, I, I don't want you to hear me knocking them. I'm just saying that we have so much talent on the bench that we're wasting when we could be running our own schools and our own community. And God, how dope would that be? How dope would that be? It'd just be awesome. Aren't there only, how many black uh, charter schools are there in Philadelphia? Are there Down to seven, I think. I was going to say eight. Yeah. How many they, they were shutting down. Um, how many students in Philadelphia? All together, 250, 260. Now, let's just pause on that. And that's just the public, right? Yeah. Yep. 250,000? Yeah. So a quarter of a million kids, and we got seven schools Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia, where Mount Airy is a black middle class, Mm -hmm. period. Germantown, parts of it, black middle class, right? Yeah. I mean, like, Blue Vein, black middle class. Like, Three generations at Morehouse, black middle class. Three generation alphas or Qs or Kappas. I mean, three generations deep living there. And they don't have a school to send their children to that they run. They rather send their their children to one of these uh, friends schools. And I'm not knocking them, you understand? But they don't have, you don't, in Philadelphia, they ain't got nothing. We don't have it. Like in Philly, we ain't got nothing. In Philly. I never seen mm. a black middle class growing up. I didn't even know such a thing existed. I, I really didn't, except for the Cosby show. I didn't know that, that I'm not even being funny. I'm not being funny a little bit. We had one black teacher in our whole school system. Like one, we had one. So, and he did everything for everybody. So just, I mean, what does that look like in Philadelphia where you have an entire, like a legit good sized black middle class, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then beyond that too, you have really yeah. wealthy black people. Yeah. And like attorneys and doctors, like a whole really, 
and ain't got one school to send their kids to, but will spend forty thousand dollars send their kid to a Catholic school, knowing damn well they're black Baptists. <laughs> I know, I know Muslims that sit their kids at Catholic schools. So yeah, like, yeah. Hey, bro, listen. I'm not even gonna have a closing thought because I feel like y'all did a, a, an amazing job. Um, thank you for bringing this energy. Thank you for bringing uh, this, this light to to the show and coming to rock with us on some black barbershop ish. Uh, this this lifted my spirit so much more than the show we did last week. So I really appreciate you. Um, yes, Jesus. Really, yes, really um, <laughs> so folks in the audience uh make sure you like this make sure you share this make sure you you, you get at us on twitter um and uh doc, dr perry man listen we appreciate you for coming through hey you you're a scholar and a saint and you're welcome on our show anytime i again can't thank you enough for your voices and your hands because you guys <laughs> are laying hands on our community and and as we part it's often easy to focus on who wasn't here but i want to thank all the people who joined us this evening Uh, Mm. y'all could have been doing so many other things with your time uh if if you had us on while you were cutting your kids hair which is what i would normally be doing right now cutting my son's hair on sunday nights we have our ritual um or if you're cleaning up getting ready prepping your meals for the week or whatever you're doing uh y'all could have spent your mental space which is the most important gift that you have with anybody but the fact that you gave it to eight black hands um uh, you are why our community is going to win we are going to win for people like you yeah you've been listening to the eight black hands see you next week maybe Peace. Peace. Peace out. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, Elmeki, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.